Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode was made possible by an anonymous donor to Midwest Food Bank. They paid the sponsorship fee to help spread the word that Midwest Food Bank works to alleviate hunger and poverty throughout the world by gathering food donations and distributing them to nonprofit agencies and disaster sites. If you would like to learn more about Midwest Food Bank, make a donation, or see what volunteer opportunities are available, please visit them at midwestfoodbank.org. You may have already heard of Dr. Jill Carnahan, who is our guest today. She's a leader in the growing field of functional medicine, and she's also dually board certified in family medicine and integrative holistic medicine. She and I also grew up in the same small town farming community, and I think she even babysat me a few times. She's an incredible clinician, so she is in high demand. I apologize for some of the background noises that you may hear today, but I hope it doesn't take away from this incredible conversation. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Dr. Jill. Thank you. Good to be here with you. For those who don't know you yet, can you just share your personal story with us? Oh, you bet. We'll jump right in. So <clears throat> I always wanted to do something um, in the wellness field, and I ended up going to medical school. And I was I always joke I have the heart of a naturopath because I think much more like natural and holistic and food-based alternatives. Um, but I felt like going into the allopathic world would be the best way to actually get in the system and make a change. So that was my journey. And I got to medical school, was going along fine until my third year when I was suddenly diagnosed with breast cancer at 25 years old. So that was a real turning point in my life. And um, I share faith like you. And so this was definitely a time where God just you know, really was very near to me in that journey and healed me from that cancer. And I used a lot of the holistic principles and nutrition and, and supplements and food um, in the journey. And so I really became even more empowered and impassioned about how to heal and help people through more natural means, even in this, in the face of something as scary as cancer. And, you know, now I'm thriving 17 years later, but the truth is at that time, I didn't know if I had six weeks or six months or six years. It was a very scary time. It was really a, a point of really understanding what it felt like to be the patient in the face of unknown and fear. And um, I've always had hope and I've always had a, a sense of God guiding my life. And I feel like that was the first part of my journey and really giving me the knowledge of, of understanding what it felt like to be on the other side of the um, office table. <laughs> Certainly. And maybe that's one of the reasons you come across so compassionate because it seems that you encourage your patients to optimize their health and wellness rather than simply treat symptoms. So today, I'd just love to hear your opinion on various factors that impact our health. You got it. First, let's just start with water, because we always hear that's incredibly important. So why is that? And what happens to our body when we don't get enough? Oh, I love it. Go back to the basics. Um, something I always teach when I'm talking to physicians is we need clean air, clean water, clean food. And clean water is right in the middle there and such a priority. People forget how important it is. 
Every single cell in our body is made up of majority of water. And so it, it lubricates and it hydrates and it allows all the enzymatic processes to happen. And it um, helps digestion to occur and helps our blood to flow. And pretty much every process and every fluid in our body wouldn't be the same without water. And I see this in clinic all the time when I see patients who struggle with dehydration syndromes and POTS, which is a, a orthostatic type of thing where when they stand up, they get dizzy or where they just are thirsty a lot or urinating a lot. And those are all things that affect their hydration and they get very sick from that and the sources of water are really key a lot of times people put a, um, a whole house filter like reverse osmosis which is wonderful because it's clean um, but the problem there is it depletes the water of minerals so they're going to have to make sure they're drinking or eating or taking um, foods with minerals or mineral supplements or things like that so that they're not too acidic with that water that's depleted of toxins and minerals um, something I love is the countertop Berkey filter. It's the one I use at home because it cleans the water very well and uh, doesn't deplete the minerals quite as significantly as the other types of filtrations. And just making sure you're drinking water throughout the day. Um, I'm a fan of a little bit of coffee and some tea. That's okay, but you don't want to use that as your sole source of hydration. And if you have trouble, you can slice you know, cucumber or lime or all kinds of things and put it in your water for taste. And I'm also a big fan of like European mineral waters because they're really heavy in the minerals. So like San Pellegrino, Perrier, some of those kinds, Gerald Steiner from Germany is really high in, in different things. So those can be helpful too because they're full of minerals, which makes the water very alkaline. Those are great recommendations. And let's talk about exercising. What are the implications of either choosing a lifestyle full of exercise or choosing a sedentary lifestyle? Yeah, so um, movement is huge. And um, it's interesting because I've always been, that's been kind of one of my outlets for stress. I love to exercise. And usually I'm doing it at a very like either running or high intensity, something pretty intense. And I've learned over time for myself and my patients, that's great. And actually high intensity interval training um, is one of the best things you can do in a short period of time to get a good workout. And all that is, is just when you have a very like maximum capacity put out and then you rest for a bit maybe walking. So you maybe do uh, 90 seconds or 30, let's say 30 seconds of intensity and then 90 seconds of walking and 30 seconds of intensity and alternate something like that. Um, but bottom line, getting back to my point was that a lot of people with our high stress lifestyles actually don't need an adrenaline rush and that will also raise cortisol. So some of the things I often recommend um, implementing are, you know, walking, yoga, just moving. Um, I know some of my best times in the morning are just walking the dogs. I'm not doing anything vigorous, but I have time to walk and pray. And that really, really rejuvenates me sometimes more than the high intensity stuff. Oh, that's incredible suggestion. And you had briefly alluded to supplements earlier. So are there any that you recommend to the general population or is it all individualized? Yeah, I think um, so. A lot of people are at the mindset of why would we need to take a vitamin? We should be able to get it all from food, which in theory is wonderful if our soils weren't so depleted. So nowadays, the soil, um, you know, contains maybe a fifth of the magnesium and some of the minerals we need. So an apple today compared to an apple that our grandparents would have eaten is so depleted of nutrients that we really cannot get enough just through food alone. And it's sad, but that's just the way our, our world and our soils and everything are. And so I'm a big fan of introducing some sort of a multi-mineral, multivitamin. Um, most people need extra vitamin D um, unless they're outside in the sun all day long. And then um, probiotics are really important. And again, part of this is just because the stresses on our environmental toxic load and our stresses psychologically, they're so much greater than they used to be. And so we just need more um, resources to actually combat the stresses of everyday life. 
So um, probiotic, vitamin D, multivitamin are some of the basics. Most people could take a fish oil or just eat plenty of wild-caught fish. Those are ways to do that. And then I'll individualize um, different things like mitochondrial support or liver support like N-acetylcysteine or lipoic acid or milk thistle, things like CoQ10 for the heart. And um, extra magnesium can be great for the bowels or for sleep. So depending on the problem, um, there's other little things you can add. That's probably the basics that almost anyone could benefit from. Let's just touch on the topic of sleep as well. How does consistent lack of sleep affect us? Oh, you are hitting on all the good topics. So sleep is so critical. And if I get a patient who comes in and they have a myriad of problems, but sleep is one of them, usually I focus on sleep as a huge priority, maybe the number one priority, because our cells are able to regenerate, our liver and body is able to detoxify, our immune system is able to fight infections and restore and regenerate. And all of that happens, a lot of it happens at night when we sleep. So we really need that time for our brain. And our brain, even there's processes that clean up areas and set that reorganize memories. And so much happens. I remember I learned this, didn't know the science behind it, but in uh, college and medical school, so many of my friends would pull all, all-nighters before a big test. And I would study really hard up until 9 or 10 p.m. And then I would go to sleep. And what I learned is I actually had a much better memory or recall by studying it and then having it eight hours of sleep before the test because my mind would actually go over the material while I slept. I felt like it was cheating, but I realized that that was a really powerful way, way better than an all-nighter to actually reorganize our brain and our memory and prepare for something that was um, you know, stressful the next day. Wow, that is fascinating. And related to this topic, a lot of listeners struggle with insomnia. So what are some of the most common causes and solutions to overcome this frustrating symptom? Oh, great, because you're right. People are struggling. And so you can try simple things without knowing the cause. And I'll go into a couple causes in a minute. But things that you might try simply and safely would be um, magnesium. And magnesium glycinate because of its calming effect and it's pretty neutral for the bowels. It tends to be my favorite for sleep. And most people can go pretty high, like 250, 500, even higher um, doses at bedtime. And it really induces a nice... Um, sleepy and relaxed state and that's easy and safe and almost everybody can use it. The only contraindications would be if you had kidney diseases or some parathyroid issue or some uh, metabolism issue where you had too much magnesium, which is pretty rare. Things like melatonin are pretty safe. There's been some news out recently of long-term use and inhibiting production. I'm not really of that mindset that it's a problem in low doses for most people and especially if you use kind of intermittently. Children actually do really well on low doses of melatonin too. And then there's so many wonderful herbs. My very favorite is GABA. It's actually not a herb. It's a neurotransmitter like an amino acid, but it's wonderful. So GABA is really helpful for inducing sleep. And then other causes would be some people are just really high cortisol at night. That's usually a stress response. And so things that would calm the stress like magnolia or rhodiola or some of these herbs that are calming phosphatidylserine can be incredibly helpful for calming that stress response at night turning off the brain and people who think, you know, and they get caught up in these thoughts and are stuck awake, 5-HTP can be helpful, which is a precursor of serotonin. And then the GABA I mentioned before. And then some people have blood sugar issues at night. And what happens is they have maybe a bag of popcorn before bed and then their blood sugar kind of rises. And then several hours later, 1, 2 a.m., it drops. And that drop in blood sugar will trigger a response of cortisol. And that cortisol will wake them out of a deep sleep and they'll be wide awake. So one of the things if they have blood sugar issues is to eat maybe a tiny bit of snack, but it's a fat or protein instead of a carb before bed, and that can keep them sleeping through the night. Wow, this is so great because it's something that listeners can even apply today if they're having one of those issues. 
Let's also touch on the impact of technology. How have you seen screen time affect people's overall health? Yeah, so the blue light affects our retina and most of our screens are, you know, iPads and our computers or laptops or iPhones. Um, they all have this um, pretty intense blue light. And that basically tells our body, hey, it's morning, wake up. In fact, one of the strategies for people who have trouble waking up is getting a lot of sunlight or blue light in the morning. What you want at night is red light. So you can even change the bulbs in your bedroom. You can buy these at Home Depot or any sort of store um, and buy just a red bulb and put that in your bedroom light bulbs in your you know nightstand or whatever your lamps. And those will be red. And then you can still read or do stuff at night, but it's calming to your retina, to your nervous system, and it doesn't induce a state of alertness. There are some apps, I don't know all the names of them, that actually change the screen so that they're a little bit more user-friendly at night. Um, and that can be helpful if you're really sensitive. And then there's glasses called blue blockers that you can wear. I have several pairs. I actually don't wear them, but yeah, I get people send me their cool products all the time. And I've had a few of them that are pretty neat and they can be worn at bedtime or maybe say after 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. so that you don't get a lot of that blue light into your retina before bed. And some people really swear by these and it's there's no supplements, no drugs involved. It's just literally changing the light that enters your retina right before bed. And now a brief message from our sponsor. This sponsorship message is unique because an anonymous donor to Midwest Food Bank paid the sponsorship fee in hopes of spreading awareness. Midwest Food Bank works to alleviate hunger and poverty throughout the world by gathering food donations and distributing them to nonprofit agencies and disaster sites. Over $11.5 million worth of food is distributed to over 1,700 nonprofit organizations each month. In 2017 alone, over 132,000 family food boxes were distributed to disaster victims. Thanks to the generosity of donors, the valuable work of volunteers, and most importantly, the blessings of God, Midwest Food Bank shares the blessings worldwide. More than 3.6 million people were impacted last year. This is done from their eight United States and two international locations. To learn more about Midwest Food Bank, to make a donation, or to see what volunteer opportunities are available, please visit them at midwestfoodbank.org. What effect does stress have on our health? Oh my, <laughs> that's huge, isn't it? Um, I love that you ask it because all of us are under quite a bit of stress. And it's really, so there's youth stress, which is actually good stress. If we had no stress in our life, we always think, oh, that'd be great. Um, that would actually be pretty unhealthy because our body does really well with low levels of intermittent stress that are that are appropriate. You know how you've had maybe a project that you need to do and you feel the stress of needing to get it done, but that little bit of stress actually helps you to achieve your goal. So there is some stress that's good, but what happens to most of us is nowadays we're a 24-7 culture. So our email, our Facebook and social medias, they're like 24-7. And I know so many of my patients, they Last thing before they go to bed, first thing when they wake up, their phones are by their bedstand and they're checking email or social media. On the weekends, they're checking, you know, their work email. And so it's really hard for people to disconnect and that's stressful to our bodies. I really recommend, like I live in Boulder, Colorado, and there's some wonderful hiking trails and biking. And so I recommend for myself and my patients that we get out, get unplugged and really get into nature and, and enjoy that time away from all of our electronics and the things that are, you know, asking us to do more. Our inbox and our email can be so, like if we go just by what the inbox says, we're constantly responding to demands and that's so stressful. And then, I mean, people have relationships and children and parents that are getting older and they have, you know, unexpected deaths in families. And so many of these things are very, very stressful and work life can be stressful. 
I really suggest with this that you find what your source of strength or resource is. For me, it's two things. It's prayer and meditation, talking to God, and it's being out in nature, um, being with my puppies. So those things for me, I just make sure that I work them into every single week and sometimes every single day so that I have that outlet. Um, other people, it might be you know, taking, going up for a bike ride or taking a class or doing something they enjoy. And then the other thing we found in studies that, that relates to happiness and satisfaction and lower stress levels is just having a purpose. So having something you're doing, whether it's your occupation or even outside your occupation, that is making a difference in serving others. And I find that that is so profoundly helpful in our stress levels, um, and it really makes a difference. Wow, I'm loving all your practical suggestions. What role do genetics play in contributing to our overall level of health? Genetics are a mixed bag. You know, we've gone through several different eras, and the genetics for a while were very, like, fatalistic. You get this gene and you're, you know, prone, you're going to have this disease. Now, there are a few things that genetically are dominant, like Huntington's disease. So if you get that gene, you probably will get the disease. But that's actually the exception rather than the rule. And so most genetics can be altered by environmental exposure. And that would include your diet, your sleep, your stress levels, all these things we're talking about. So the good news is most of the time, gene expression is determined a lot by what you do, how you live, you know, the stress, the stress reduction techniques you take, um, the food you take, the vitamins and nutrients. So I often with patients will help them find ways, whether it's nutritional supplementation or changes in diet or sleep. Um, to actually alter their genetic expression. And to me, that's exciting because you don't have to be deterministic or, or fatalistic about what you are born with. I, for example, um, I have had a history of breast cancer, which I mentioned, Crohn's disease. And about four years ago now, I had a mold exposure that made me very sick. And all of those had to do with my um, dysfunctional genetics with relation to I have a celiac genetic. I have susceptibility to infections and toxins like mold. And all of these things could have taken me down. But what I did is I chose to live really clean, eat really well, do whatever I can to take care of myself. And I actually function pretty well despite my genetics. And I teach patients to do the same. I think that offers a lot of hope as well. What about lifestyle and community? How do you see relationships impact your patients' overall health? Mm, oh, this is huge because it's kind of like the idea that here at the office, our underlying mission is loving people um, because people want connection and people need connection. And there's so many studies that show even from infants and newborns on that if they're not held and touched and physical touch and connection with human beings is absolutely essential to our health. Um, so what I see is, you know, some patients will have patterns that may be dysfunctional childhood or where they didn't feel completely loved. And those things can be changed, but we have to reprogram all of that stuff in order to get well and to find health and healing. So dealing with those things are important. And then also currently in your life, making sure you have good friends. It doesn't have to be a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend, but you do need to have friends and people that you can rely on. And if you don't have a significant other, you need to have friends that you can hug and that you can actually have a physical touch um, with a friend. And that's perfectly appropriate and incredibly important for our well-being. I second all of that. One more thing about relationships. I wanted to mention because we talked about all this great stuff, hug and touch and connection. But one thing I've learned is uh, most of us who are in this kind of profession, maybe your listeners too, are empathetic. They're very, they feel deeply for people. And that's a really incredible um, uh, trait to have. But you're very prone to people called energy vampires. So the other thing you need to do is make sure that you limit contact with people that are just not you know, not good for you, not healthy, and maybe draining. Um, you can be kind, but you need to set good boundaries. And that's actually really important, as well as the connection. And sometimes people think that food choice is the hardest to change to make an effort toward moving toward a healthier lifestyle. 
So what are some baby steps that listeners can take as it relates to their nutritional intake? Um, so nutrition-wise, I recommend a uh, mostly organic, 100% if possible, non-GMO, so not genetically modified, free of pesticides, chemicals, all of that, which would go with organic. Lots of um, local if possible. It's not always possible. Whenever I can go to the local farmer's market and get things that are just you know, picked or cut um, from the garden, that, that's the best. And then lots of leafy greens, plant-based is ideal. I'm actually what um, most people would consider paleo. But when people hear the word paleo, they think of all this meat and bacon and eggs. I don't do that at all. I'm actually a very, very plant-based, like salads and leafy greens and all kinds of fruits and vegetables. And I only eat meat maybe three times a week. But I still consider myself paleo because I'm grain-free, legume-free, dairy-free, and gluten-free. And for most of my patients who are super sensitive, gluten is the most important thing to eliminate. But many of them have to eliminate dairy, egg, and sugar as well. Other things that are common culprits are corn and soy and um, alcohol. So that tends to be the kind of diet most of my patients are on. Are there any other factors that affect our health of which we may be unaware? Yeah, so not many people are talking about electromagnetic radiation, and that could be from cell phone towers or from a building with a lot of Wi-Fi. And not everyone is completely sensitive to this, but especially the more, the higher we go from 4G to 5G, these are having a bigger impact on our bodies. And I have a lot of patients that are extra sensitive and can really tell when they're in a high Wi-Fi area and they don't feel as well. So those are the things that you can't see. You may not even be able to feel, but can be important. And some simple things you can do are make sure you don't have a smart meter right behind the headboard of your bed and the wall or you know, behind on the uh, outside of your house. That can be a real big impact. Um, you can make sure your uh, iPhone, iPad, and those things are turned off or on airplane mode at night. And at the very uh, more significant exposure, patients can even turn off their router at night as well, and that can be helpful. Did you know podcasts like The Savvy Sauce are estimated to cost roughly $500 per episode to produce? This cost includes expenses such as equipment, web hosting, and programming, in addition to the many hours our team spends to bring you the high-quality episodes. Sponsors are not always consistent, and that gives you an opportunity to support conversations you love and make more possible. Our team is so delighted for the opportunity to do this work and get the good news to as many nations as possible. Will you consider partnering with us? Go to thesavvysauce.com and click the Patreon tab for more information. Thanks for participating. We're called The Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so I'd love to hear, Dr. Jill, what is your savvy sauce? Oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> okay, that's easy. So most people maybe sense this, but I don't always explicitly say it. But the thing that drives me at home in my friendships and work, I mean, especially in my practice and in my office, is just a really uh, simple thing. And that's to love God and, and basically glorify God and love people. So it goes upward and it goes outward to people. And I even teach my staff, you know, if you have all this paperwork and all these calls to make and you don't get any of it done, but you have loved the people that walk in the door today, I'm totally happy as your boss. Uh, you have completely done your job. So that underneath um, kind of my secret mission in life is really just to love people. And I don't always do it perfectly, but my goal and my drive and my secret sauce is to love people better each day. Oh, that is incredible. And I think you do a great job with that. Dr. Jill, you are not only a brilliant doctor, but also a respectable and exceptionally kind woman. So thank you for spending time with us today. And where can listeners find you online? You are welcome, Laura. I loved it. Um, wish we had more time, but hopefully next time. 
listeners can visit me at my website, which is just my name, jillcarnahan.com, J-I-L-L-C-A-R-N-A-H-A-N.com. And I have all kinds of great free resources. If you want to stay in touch, um, you can sign up for my free newsletter as well. Wonderful. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death, and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring, Him for me, so me for Him. You get the opportunity to live your life for Him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.